0: What's up, everyone? You're listening to the Sun Devil Source Report podcast. I'm your host, Mason Kern, joined by staff reporter Jacob Runner and publisher Chris Cartman. Jacob, starting with you, man, how's it going?
1: I'm good, Mason. Second podcast in as many weeks for me, so I'm excited that we're, uh, we're really on the the podcast grind here. It's always fun to, uh, to be with you and, and Chris, so I'm, I'm doing well.
0: Yeah, we knew when we were going to have some baseball news and have some baseball podcasts, you were going to be involved. So it's great to have you. Chris, how are you doing today?
2: Um, I'm doing good, other than the fact that it's supposed to be 118 degrees uh, today and every day this week. Um, And I may not leave the house, but uh, otherwise I'm doing pretty good.
0: Man. Yeah. That's, that's tough. I'm not actually in Arizona right now for our listeners. So I'm kind of avoiding. You're lucky. Yeah. That, that situation. So I am, I'm counting my blessings for that, but The topic of today's podcast is ASU Baseball's hiring of its new head coach, Uh, throwing it back to June 7th. Sun Devil Source was the first to report that ASU Baseball was firing its then-skipper, Tracy Smith, after seven seasons. And a pretty quick turnaround, a quick search, and Ray Anderson hires... 14-year MLB pro Willie Bloomquist. He served three years playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks, was most recently their special assistant to the president and CEO, and he's a former Sun Devil. He was the Pac-10 Player of the Year in 1999 and one of the best players in ASU history in that era, also one of the better eras in ASU baseball history as well. It was a pretty quick turnaround, as I said, Chris, in terms of Ray Anderson making the announcement to hire Bloomquist. What was your take on just how this all kind of unfolded?
2: Biggest takeaway would be that they seriously anticipated that this would happen um, with Tracy Smith this season for months and that. They were making moves behind the scenes to determine who they would hire or likely hire as the coach, um, in in preparation for that strong possibility, uh, and that started I think. Or one of the big key aspects of that was hiring uh, Graham Rossini from the Diamondbacks, um, his vice president, special projects and fan experience. Uh, with the Diamondbacks he uh, came on to ASU an associate AD role um, as I think a, a precursor to their ultimate decision to hire Willie Bloomquist also from the Diamondbacks uh, um, the Ray Anderson said after Todd Graham was fired which led to Herm Edwards getting hired that they were gonna conduct a national search immediately and all that stuff and that's very much sort of AD speak, but the reality was he already knew he was going to hire Herm Edwards. And I think that this was very similar. Um, I did not hear about anybody else doing a formal interview, visiting Tempe, anything along those lines. I'm not saying that that definitely did not happen, but typically I would, I would hear about it if it did. Uh, and um, I would say within less than 24 hours, of um, us reporting uh, the day after ASU was eliminated from the playoff, the regional, that uh, Trey Smith was gonna be fired within tw- less than 24 hours. I was hearing that Willie Bloomquist was all signs reporting to him as the replacement. And I think it's an interesting, that, that's very interesting, um, of course, because ASU as we've, baseball, is the flagship sort of program. Uh, and he, you know, I, historically it's one that you would um, believe you'd have to think that there would be a lot of national interest, including from um, the types of candidates that we went over in our last podcast. If you listened up and coming guys at the major level um, some longtime um, successful coaches, a step down. Um, and some very experienced uh, uh, managers. And that is not the case at all with Willie Bloomquist. He's never managed before, which leads to a lot of questions we'll talk about throughout the podcast. But um, Ray Anderson and Graham Rossini and the people that they spoke with as part of the hiring process determined that that wasn't really a concern from them Um, enough that it uh, it um, outshined all of the positives that they thought he brought to the table, which, of course, are related to him being one of the best ASU baseball players in recent decades, which also coincided with um, that happening during the the best team uh, or the best two or three-year period of ASU baseball in recent decades when uh, he they went to the College World Series at the end of the last um century and he was the Pac-10 player of the year in 1999 and um and that was under of course Pat Murphy who that was the last time that ASU baseball really was uh operating at a super high level and so that those all of those uh aspects plus his 14 year of course uh major league baseball career um and you know kind of his experiences in to- in totality contributed to the decision and um Rudner what do you think
1: Yeah I mean I think you hit on a lot of the uh the the most important notes with this whole thing I would add though that one thing that he also does not have experience in, and we'll get into this as well, is that he, he also has never recruited as a byproduct of having never coached before. And, and you know the, you may hear that and go, that's obvious when you hear that he's never had coaching experience. But the, the reality is, is that in baseball, recruiting is different than in some other sports in that you're looking for commitments from guys who are eight years out from college. You, you'll see guys right now committing who are class of 2026 guys. And so recruiting is kind of a different beast when it comes to college baseball. And Willie doesn't have experience in that regard, and, and neither does his now bench coach, Mike Goff. So uh, I think these are all things that we'll, we'll get into more later on in the podcast. But like I said before, I think Chris really hits on all of the uh, important notes. And uh, we can, pro- can probably just keep going here, and uh, we'll, we'll get more into all those details that Chris just mentioned in a bit.
0: So, Jacob, I was going to ask, in terms of, again, the quick turnaround, Ray makes the announcement, what were some of the main points that Ray Anderson hit on in his introduction of Willie Bloomquist that were also some of your major takeaways?
1: Yeah, I, I think the way that he opened his press conference when he was introducing Willie Bloomquist was perhaps the most interesting thing. And he said that in order to get ASU baseball back, to where it needs to be in terms of his expectations and the fans' expectations, he needed to give it back to somebody who knew the program and had seen success as a member of the program. And for those reasons, they had determined. And whether this was, you know, before they had actually fired Tracy Smith or not, like Chris said, uh, we're we're not one hundred percent sure. Though likely they did determine this uh, that it's Willie Bloomquist. And you know, like Chris said, Willie is one of the best players in ASU recent history, if not really going back to to the beginning of the program. He's a 394 hitter, uh, was a third-round pick, and then went on to have a very successful Major League Baseball career. So uh, this is a guy who really knows baseball, and Ray Anderson hit on that in several different ways throughout his press conference. And he basically said that you know when asked if the coaching experience and lack thereof was a problem – He pretty much said no because he knows how to win and he, you know, was at ASU during one of the most successful eras of the, of the program. And one thing that he didn't really hit on during his press conference that I think was kind of implied is that Willie also played when he was here or at ASU, excuse me, under one of, if not the best coaches in Sun Devil history, regardless of sport. And that's Pat Murphy. Uh, you know, winningest head coach in, in baseball history. So he's a guy who was just, you know, phenomenal at what he did. And Willie got to see firsthand how Pat Murphy ran things. And he said, Willie did throughout his press conference, that that is a big thing for him. And Pat continues to be a mentor. And I think that that was a thing also that ASU likely considered it's that not only did Willie Bloomquist play at ASU, you know, know how to win, uh, had tremendous success as a college player, but he played and did all of that under somebody who was absolutely phenomenal at his job.
0: Chris, do you have similar takeaways or anything to add? Yeah, I
2: thought it was, it was, um, Ray Anderson very much was, you can tell he's trying to sort of win with ASU fans. And, uh, The, you know, it's like the saying win the press conference, you know, maybe that's sort of a little bit unfair characterization to say it like that. But I I do think that there have been for a very long time now, a decade of not advancing to the super regional round or beyond it for ASU has led to this really frustrated um, and in some respects checked out ASU fan base who had just grown so tired of Tracy Smith and not having the type of success that the program has had historically that I think Ray Anderson wanted to inject um, to the best degree that he could uh, some sort of a juice into the fan base that would re that would invigorate and bring back sort of that emotion that people had about asu baseball in a more glorious period um and so you know that the intro that jacob talked about there that anderson said it i think everything was designed to do that you know it and you know there's a lot of people who are really sort of wonky baseball folks who will say and i'm you know, not a wonky baseball person, but I will say I can't evaluate somebody as a manager who has never managed before. Not only am I not able to do that, nobody is able to actually do that. It's speculative. It is a, it is a, a a gamble to think that someone's apparently, you know, demonstrated high baseball IQ from a player, Will translate to them being a good coach. That is, of course, not always the case. That may often be the case, may be the case with Bloomquist, but it's to be determined. And um, I think I, I I just think that the um, on the flip side to this is something that I strongly also believe, which is that market specific knowledge for any coach in any school, any sport has a lot of value. Meaning that uh, when somebody comes into ASU who um, has never been at the school, never coached at the school, doesn't understand the recruiting landscape, the the fan, uh, alumni sentiment, um, the facilities, the everything, um, they, that's a learning curve. And that learning curve takes... A different amount of time for different types of coaches to adjust to and it can present problems where um, it can create sort of slower uh, understandings or appreciations for certain aspects like recruiting or you know like how to actually connect appropriately with the community and fan base um, and in all of these sort of dynamics that are very Um, unique to every single uh, experience. So Bloomquist doesn't have any of that uh, learning curve. Like he (laughs) brings to the table a 25 year uh, knowledge base about ASU baseball and everything about it. And of course, you know, understands what um, you know, matters in helping transition kids from college to the pro level which of course matters and will resonate with some if not many most kids in recruiting and so that counterbalances the lack of managerial experience i just think that you know it's 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 hard to know if it outweighs that or not because that depends on this unknown variable of his what his instincts will be like as a manager, when you have um just myriad uh, uh factors that go into every single decision on the field. And some people are really good at that, and some people make mistakes that other people can identify who are just even casual fans. And Tracy Smith, a lot of people felt like he just made a lot of mistakes despite the fact that he had been a pretty successful manager at multiple previous stops. So, you know, that's part of that is to say that it may be somewhat innate, like if it may be somewhat learned, but it may be largely innate and um, it's just really to be determined. But I don't think that So Anderson wasn't going to be able to, to win the press conference with somebody that ASU baseball fans knew and would feel a deep, you know, emotional connection to who also had extensive managerial experience. Like there wasn't that person that he could go get. So he either was going to hire somebody who didn't have much, if any connection to ASU and wouldn't have the market specific knowledge and understanding to hit the ground running in those areas, or he was going to hire, you know, someone who had those things, but no managerial experience. So he, this is the route he decided to go. Um, I think there's a lot of fans who are super excited about that because of, of Bloomquist background and what he meant to ASU baseball and what they think he'll be able to tap into to bring back from that Pat Murphy era. I just think that um, it is a gamble to some degree versus getting a manager that you have studied for multiple years in anticipation of the possibility of uh, firing Tracy Smith and feeling like that person uh both understands the college game and recruiting and is not prone to making the types of mistakes that maybe Tracy Smith or anybody who isn't a very, who, who might not be viewed as a very great manager, um, you know, makes. So I, it's just kind of a wait and see. And, and I think Jacob said, said something really important earlier, which is, um, like understanding recruiting is not easy. Like it's you like any Tracy Smith coming from Indiana to ASU, he had to sort of recalibrate to recruiting the West coast, which he wasn't doing much in Indiana. Right. And they went through a period where they had two of the two worst seasons in ASU baseball history, which there was a bunch of factors in that, but maybe that was one of the factors. And, and, and so, um, there's a rolodex and there's a and there's knowledge of all the high school coaches and the important movers and uh, the, the people who have access to talent in different places around the country and who knows who the best players are and why and how and all these things. And Bloomquist doesn't have that. He can maybe tap into Pat Murphy, but that was, but Pat Murphy's not been the coach for more than a decade. And so that's not really entirely the same things have evolved. And, uh, Mike Goff, his first bench, his bench coach hire is doesn't have that knowledge. He more brings a lot of the sort of veteran, you know, bench coach savvy to help him on just like roster decisions or in game management decisions and, and whatnot. So, Yeah. I mean, I think we just have to basically there's nothing we could do except wait and evaluate how the areas that Bloomquist has less or no experience, how those start to look over the course of his early tenure.
0: Well, and Chris touched on it. Secondarily to the Bloomquist hire was all the staff, the other staffing decisions that needed to be made. And Chris, again, touched on it with Mike Goff being hired as Bloomquist bench coach. Uh, the the whole other part of this was the Jason Kelly, Michael Early situation. And as we reported on SunDevilSource.com, Michael Early will not be returning to ASU in his volunteer assistant role because Jason Kelly was retained. Jacob, what was kind of your take on this whole, uh, all of these staffing decisions?
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll actually start with Mike Goff briefly because uh, Chris, you brought him up and I think you brought up something really important. And it's that He does lack the recruiting knowledge that would come with potentially hiring an assistant coach from another university or bringing somebody in who, you know, worked in, in kind of the operations department of a different university. Uh, And and that is a a big thing. I would add though, that what Mike Goff brings to the table, in addition to the knowledge of on-field decisions, just based on his experience as a first base coach at the major league level as a bench coach at the major league level, as a minor league manager. Um, he really brings a background of extremely deep knowledge of player development. He served as the coordinator of player development for the Seattle Mariners for nine years, including, by the way, when Willie Bloomquist was drafted by the Seattle Mariners in 1999. Uh, and this is a guy who, just from his experience as a minor league manager, as an Arizona fall league manager, which is like the biggest development league as far as professional baseball goes. Uh, And then again, as, as just that minor league coordinator experience that will probably go, or at least it should go a long way in helping grow college baseball players. And the reason for that is because it is very difficult to manage and to teach and to grow minor league baseball players who are working at one level and then moving up to another level and then having to make adjustments and having to learn kind of as they get through the minor league ranks and usually very quickly how to adjust on the fly and somebody who's able to coach players to be able to do that has to be very skilled in the player development area and then Mason you brought up the the fact that you know ASU uh, is not going to have Michael Early on its staff next year we'll have Jason Kelly uh, we've written, several times on the site about the potential implications of that on the roster and Willie Bloomquist's ability to bring back uh, what is a very talented young roster in his first year as Arizona state's head coach. And uh, several players who spoke with Sun Devil source uh, uh, on the condition of anonymity had said that if early or Kelly were not brought back to the university, then it would lead them to consider transferring. Um, we have not definitively seen yet anybody enter the transfer portal because of this. Jack Moss, ASU's freshman first baseman last year, uh, he is in the transfer portal, though there is no word on whether or not that has to do with uh, early potentially. At the time, it was potentially not being back with the university. Now it's official. Um, I think that bringing back Jason Kelly was a good move because he is a proven coach he was the 2018 assistant coach of the year uh, by D1 baseball when he was at Washington. Uh, he helped lead Washington to a college world series in 2017. Uh, it's a, he's, he has vast experience in terms of assistant coaching and recruiting. So he really is the only guy on Bloomquist staff who's going to be able to bring that part of it to the table. Uh, and then losing early is, is a big loss. And we've written about that. Chris has, has posted on the board that that's a potential big loss. We have stories about how how that could be pretty big. And the reason for that is because it sounds like a lot of ASU's top hitters had a deep enough connection with Early where they really will consider leaving the program or at least evaluating their options outside the program now that Early is not here. Uh, He joined the program in in 2017 as an assistant and then took over as the hitting coach in 2018 uh, and has had success since then. So that's a guy who I think uh, is a pretty considerable loss for ASU and then especially so if players decide to evaluate their options because like we said uh, it is a young and talented team so uh, the the roster implications and how it kind of shakes out over the next several months will definitely be something to watch Um, but you know in summary I think that Goff uh, has his his positives and his drawbacks like I said Uh, Kelly is probably a very good person to keep on staff just with his ASU knowledge with his knowledge of the pitching staff and then Uh, what he leads to being able to keep in the fold and then early we'll you know we'll see how that uh, shakes out now that he's not back with with the team just
2: to just to fill in a little bit there um, college baseball you only get two paid salaried assistants right and there's been a lot of talk about um, whether that number should be three uh, over the years and it even was like a potential legislation thing at one point, uh, Mike early has, has been in a, not one of those two salaried positions since he joined the program in 2017. So, um, what, what coaches have to decide is if you're going to have a bench coach, um, who can also skill develop as a Mike Goff, you know, can has a good reputation for being able to do, Uh, And then you're going to have a pitching coach, and Jason Kelly was the D1 baseball assistant of the year, uh, 2018, I think it was 2019, uh, before he came to ASU at Washington. Um, Then any other assistant is going to have to be a quote unquote volunteer assistant, which early was, meaning that puts a lot of strain on financially on your the family. You know, he's got. You know, kids and all that stuff. So um when you have a a coaching transition and the new coach being Bloomquist in this case, um has a pitching coach and then he hires another coach, um, it it to me very clearly means that he, he would have had to continue in an unsalaried capacity for additional years had he chosen to remain at ASU. And um you know, he's gonna get probably opportunities, salaried opportunities elsewhere. I actually spoke with him um, uh, and he was, uh, you know, after we reported that he said he would not be back, told us that he would not be back. um, He was getting on a plane to go somewhere else. He didn't tell me where, but somewhere else on a visit, essentially an interview, uh, I believe, to, you know, look into other opportunities and it is commonly said by players or rumored that if an important coach to them, to, to, to their development or, or, or position uh, uh, you know, leaves after a head coaching change uh, that there's going to be the possibility for transfers. I don't want to overblow it with early relative to, you know, maybe the typical situation, but I will say as Jacob made clear, it, it, you know, there was multiple players, you know, I don't want to say, um, you know, it was a lot of players or whatever, but there were multiple players who including some of ASU's better players, better young players who were um, felt attached enough to early in his role being important enough to them that um they may look at other options and the thing that sort of overlays all of this is the NCAA rule change for all sports which allows transfers without penalty for the first time ever this year meaning that you don't have to sit out a season um the first time that you transfer you're a freshman you're a sophomore you go anywhere so that could lead to people feeling uh like it's easier to, to leave and go and not, you know, have that be a, a major um, uh, detriment to their development while they're sitting out a year. And so we have to kind of see how that unfolds. Now the the Jack Moss situation, one of ASU's better young hitters, one of five players with um, you know, a, a slash line that um, was really impressive. Uh, I thought in this last season is you know, one of ASU's better young talents, and you know, it. He didn't tell us, and we haven't talked to him about, you know, whether Michael Early's departure is is a factor or not. Um, so one would have to sort of, you know, make a, a guess on that. We're not going to do it, do that, but it's it is something that is, you know. Everyone should kind of be aware of the circumstances of the unpaid staffing and the NCAA situation with uh, the rule change.
0: And Chris, how just briefly likely are, because in baseball, it's so different with the scholarship numbers and the situation. I believe it's only like 11.7 scholarships per team or something along those lines. So is that a common thing or an expectation for players to think that they can land scholarships elsewhere?
2: Yeah. Well, there, there is a component about the, um, the amount of scholarship that you're going to be able to get in one school versus another school. Um, and you know, uh, all coaches everywhere are always having to work to try to, you know, figure that out and sort of calibrate what is the best approach with certain types of players. And it's a, it is a, a, a limiting factor to how much talent that any program can accrue, uh, right now. And, um, you know, I'm going to really be really candid and, and, and say to you that, you know, some decades ago, um, there was a lot of just talk openly talk about ways that, um, you know, people were given money impermissibly to, uh, go to their scholarship, I'm not saying at ASU or any school specifically, but that was just like really commonly discussed as like things that went on to sort of circumvent the 11.7. You know, and then there were like the, you know, the easy or not no-show jobs that some people allegedly had at different places that also supplemented. There's just all kinds of uh, aspects to this subject matter. And some people think that, um, there's more parity in college baseball now than there was in previous um, generations, uh, in part because of a leveling of the playing field or less of these sorts of things being pervasive. And it's really difficult to say to exactly how much of a factor those things are at any place, um, but the scholarship challenges are... Um, they're ubiquitous. They they exist everywhere, always.
1: And then you know, if I could just use what you said, Chris, to to clarify, and then springboard us into our next topic here, uh, with right the way things are in college baseball right now, uh, the scholarship kind of landscape is a little bit uh, wonky, for a lack of better terms, because of the twenty twenty uh, COVID-19 shortened season, uh, last year. So 2021, uh, teams had zero roster limit. So they, you know, normally it's 35, uh, teams could have 45 if they wanted to have 45. Uh, and you know, the scholarship numbers were weird in that normally, Teams have to distribute 11.7 scholarships, where no player can receive fewer, uh, or yeah, fewer than than a 25% uh, scholarship. That was all waived last year, so players could go to a school and get 10%, whereas normally they are required to get 25. And the reason that I was going to clarify at least 25,
2: of, at least 25,
1: right, a, a minimum of 25. And and what I want to say and then kind of springboard us here is that. That now changes again for 2022 as the NCAA tries to get back to what was normal, where it's, you know, 35 player maximum on a roster and then 11.7 scholarships distributed between as many as 27 players. Uh, in 2022, teams have to limit their roster to 40 players, 32 of whom can receive a scholarship. Uh, the 25% minimum for those scholarships is still waived. And the reason that that's important is because Willie Bloomquist will have to now start evaluating where his roster is at. And that is, you know, evaluation, obviously, of who might transfer just because of the coaching changes uh, versus who might stay. And then among those players, who he feels deserves to be on scholarship based on performance or whatever it is he's using as criteria to determine those things. Uh, And, and there is some work to be done. ASU has 38 players on its roster with remaining eligibility. Uh, Drew Swift is extremely likely to depart through the MLB draft. I'd say that Justin Fall is, is somewhat less likely than Drew Swift, though I would probably evaluate the likelihood of him also signing a professional contract as, as fairly high Um, And and then ASU is bringing in 11 high school players potentially who are committed to the program. And now some of those guys could also leave through the draft. Uh, None of them, sorry, excuse me. Two of them did last year uh, and that, you know, still in a five round draft. So who knows how it'll go with 11 people this year. Plus there could be some transfers like with what, with Chris said, as far as the new uh, legislation with, with first time transfer rules. Uh, So ASU is likely to be over that 40 player limit for rosters so Bloomquist will not only have to evaluate which 32 players are you know ready or, or able to be on scholarship but he's almost certainly gonna have to pair his roster down from a mid 40s number down to that 40 mark and then the following year he'll have to bring it back down to 35 so uh, of the priority tasks for Bloomquist right now in my opinion that's that's probably number one
0: so Chris and could, Jacob yep, Jacob yep, mentioned... hold on
2: you, you could see you could see as jacob outlines over that all of that which he did quite well how much value that there is in having experience knowledge in the scholarship allocation component and in recruiting like because there is like experience in that and those aspects matters a great deal in understanding how you actually split the baby with, you know, to, for lack of a better term of like the scholarship sort of distribution, like there's a lot of finessing and a lot of sort of figuring out things that these coaches are going to be totally new and have no experience doing. And that's one of the areas where they do have a pretty steep learning curve, that it is going to have to sort of get figured out in a more difficult time than ordinarily would be the case given these um, unique time challenges of the COVID thing.
0: Right, so Jacob, in terms of the overall scope of the hire, and obviously you outlined some of the priority tasks in 2022 and beyond as we look ahead, what are just your overall impressions of ASU's hire of Willie Bloomquist?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, first and foremost, there are a lot of things that he and Mike Goff are going to have to learn uh, and very quickly in order to be successful. And that is evaluating players at the college level, uh, distributing scholarships, like Chris said, Uh, recruiting, like we've outlined throughout this podcast is going to be extremely important and something that they're going to have to learn to do at a high level very quickly. Uh, If they want to maintain the, uh, the expectations, if they want to meet them uh, and, and by the way, those expectations, like Ray Anderson has said several times in no uncertain terms, is a top three finish in the Pac-12 and top 15 rank uh, nationally. And if ASU, if Willie Bloomquist wants to hit those, those marks, uh, recruiting, roster management, and, and just kind of the whole in-game flow, uh, game management are three things that are probably fairly difficult to learn, but things that he's going to have to be very good at very quickly if he wants to be successful fast at ASU. Um, That being said, I think that Willie Bloomquist brings an immense amount of baseball knowledge uh, from the college ranks where he was extremely successful to the minor league ranks where he was obviously extremely successful because you have to be, to go on to play in the majors. And then at the major league level to last 14 years is extremely impressive. Um, and, you know, then he goes on to work in a major league front office. So uh, I would say that with the learning, th- the things that he has to learn in mind, I think that this is a hire where they have brought in a ton of baseball knowledge and a guy who knows how to be successful at every level in baseball. And that's important. And it's so important that, you know, when we spoke with some ASU players, and like Chris said, it wasn't, we're not saying it's a ton of ASU players, but the ones who we did speak to after Tracy was fired. Uh, they also said that one thing that the school should look for is somebody who has been successful throughout baseball at every level because that's a person who they can get behind and who will be able to teach them how to do the same thing. So I think that this hire has a ton of potential in that regard. And I think that if Willie Bloomquist can learn the three key things that I said, and that's a big if, uh, then it could go you know, very well. And, and there's a lot to be determined and a lot to be seen and to keep an eye on over the next several months, uh, throughout the next year with Willie you know, in, in his first season and beyond that. So uh, a lot to be evaluated in summary, uh, but I think that there are some, some obvious positives that could come out of this if the, the learning opportunities are taken advantage of by Willie Bloomquist in his first several months and year as a head coach at a very prominent uh, college baseball program.
0: Chris, and we know that Bloomquist had a successful introductory press conference in terms of just kind of connecting with Sun Devil fans and boosters and kind of how he was presenting himself. What are your kind of initial impressions?
2: Number one, by far easily is he said all the right things that are going to, get to the soft spots of asu baseball fans and and asu fans in general um he even quoted rod tidwell um with the i'm a sun devil man you know the famous jerry mcguire line and he talked about i would like to be here for the rest of my life as the coach he said there's nowhere else that I would want to be, I wouldn't even be an MLB manager. I'd rather be an an ASU manager than a major league baseball manager. Okay. And he talked about my expectations are higher than what everybody else's expectations are going to be for me. And he um, referenced how special it is to only be the sixth ASU baseball coach going back to the, you know, the, the, the legends, the Winkles and Brock and um, and Pat Murphy and um, like how much that he has taken from his experience of playing for Pat Murphy, how college players are still uh, moldable and and can be developed. Um, And so just that all of that stuff is, this is what is going to make ASU fans feel really good about this probably for the next couple of years, at least as they get a sense about how good of an actual manager and recruiter and everything else that he is. And then I would say, um, even though he doesn't have the recruiting experience or the scholarship management experience and these other things um, he's going to be able to sell quite easily to recruits. Hey, I can help you get to the majors and, have a long career once you get there. And, and he has clearly shown the ability to, um, to have staying power and to navigate relationships and understand like what it's like in the clubhouse at all different types of teams and places. And so there's a lot of value in a lot of these areas. And um, but most importantly, I just think that Ray Anderson knew what he was doing with trying to tap back into the the passion of ASU fan base and Bloomquist clearly hit all the high notes in doing that. And now the work starts.
0: Right. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast, winning the press conference, but A lot of evaluation still needed to be done before we wrap up this edition of the sun devil source report podcast have to mention that ASU football has been hosting official visits throughout the month of June and sun devil source has been gathering updates on most of the recruits who have visited. There's an official visitor on campus today as we're recording this on Tuesday, June 15th and A bunch of these updates are getting posted to the site at SunDevilSource.com. So make sure you're tapped in throughout the month. Recruitment is in high gear and ASU is trying to capitalize on visits being back. But before we wrap this thing up, Chris, do you have any final thoughts?
2: I think we're headed for some commitments coming up in the next several weeks. Um, Everybody hop on the sanctuary, join, become a member. You'll find out who are the next most likely commitments. There's a few of them um, that I think will start happening here within the next 10 days, uh, into July. I think we get a few more. There's been a, a spate of, you know, just kind of, uh, not many commitments because uh, a lot of these kids were knew that the visit period was going to be opened up after a 14 month dead period of no on-campus trips sanctioned. And, um, so now there's a lot of activity. I think everybody in the sanctuary knows and if you're not in there but you love our free podcast you're going to get a lot more from the site by hop by uh, by joining and getting in there so thank you
0: well that's going to wrap up this edition of the sun devil source report podcast for staff reporter jacob rudner and publisher chris cartman i'm your host mason kern saying so long thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time